0: Welcome into the Locked On Razorbacks podcast. I am your host, John Neighbors. I am also the host of Out of Bounds. You can catch every weekday afternoon from 1 to 4 on 1037 the Buzz and 1037thebuzz.com. I got another great guest lined up for all of you listeners out there as we Really, really, really hope that football season is upon us. I'm still optimistic. I'm still feeling good about it. I think that it will happen at least in some capacity, and that's what we're going to continue to talk about and get into some of the weariness, but also some of the realistic expectations that we can have for the college football season as we go ahead and bring in on the phone lines Connor O'Gara, who's a writer for Saturday Night on South. He wrote a really great article and a great piece on Barry Odom, as uh, well as some of the things going on with Arkansas, we'll talk to him about that and the rest of college football. Connor, really appreciate you joining us this afternoon, man. How you doing?
1: Yeah, not a whole lot. We're uh, I'm I'm hopeful, fingers crossed, that we're just getting one day closer to college football season, even if that's a little bit later than we're used to. At least college football season. So we're as usual at SDS. You know, we're filling our dog days of summer by you know writing about. Everything and all things SEC, and I figured a topic like that, something that Arkansas fans have been all over, is is certainly topical and something that, if there is going to be a 2020 season, that's something that they're going to have all eyes on.
2: Connor, before you we get into the uh, talking about Barry Odom, what's your overall thoughts as far as do you think college football is going to happen? Because we hear from a lot of different people who have varying opinions on it.
1: Yeah, you know, I've gone back and forth on this. Um, When the initial announcement came out that the Big Ten was going to the conference-only scheduling, I said, you know, I I truly think this was a move that was made to have a college football season this year. And I know a lot of people took that as kind of the first of maybe a a death-by-a-thousand-paper-cuts type of scenario. I didn't really look at it like that just because I thought it gave the Big Ten a little bit more flexibility. And while it was a bummer to see some of these big-time non-conference games canceled, that at least showed me, hey, look, the Big of trying to make this happen. They're just trying to figure out the best possible way to do it. And while I do think that we're heading in the direction of getting at least some games canceled from these remaining three power five conferences and whether or not that's a conference-only plus-one type schedule or, or what, you know, I, I still am optimistic that we're going to have a season and not just for the simple reason that, oh, hey, look, there's so much money at stake, you know, that's obviously the reason that they're even considering this. If there wasn't any money at stake, the Power Five would be doing what the Ivy League was doing or what the FCS is doing as a whole right now. I mean, we've be talking about a spring football season, but obviously there are a lot of other different variables at stake, and I, I tend to believe that a spring season is less likely than what I first thought, and just the hurdles that would have to, that would have to be cleared in order for that to happen just don't make a ton of sense. So I tend to think that if we do have a season, it's going to happen in the fall. And I don't know if that's going to be abbreviated or whatnot, but I, I do remain somewhat optimistic that the the people in charge that are making these decisions, which thankfully that's not me, I, I think that they're going to do whatever they can to try and make this happen.
0: Well, let's talk about this Barry Odom article that you wrote, because as I mentioned, Arkansas fans are excited because – if, if there's somebody that you wanted to bring in that could have a spark to the defense or at least provide some excitement, it would be somebody like Barry Odom, who I still believe should have been the coach at Missouri right now, but that's another discussion for another time. But when you look at Barry Odom and like what he has to deal with at Arkansas, it's kind of a twofold thing where if you're Arkansas, you're hoping, obviously, he gets it done. But at the same time, you're hoping that he doesn't get it done too quickly because he wants to be a head coach again. And the last thing you want to do is have have some rebuild going in the right direction. Then you got to start all over with the new coordinator.
1: Hey, I mean, I think I think Arkansas fans at this point, if, if that's their biggest problem about whether or not Barry Odom is going to become a head coach, I think you have to take it. I think that's kind of the good <laughs> with the bad type of scenario here. And I, I I'm one of those people that the more I saw Barry Odom, and and I like him as a person. And if I'm in that locker room, I really like the way that he spoke out for Mizzou after they got slapped with that bogus NCAA sanction last year for the tutoring stuff. I love the way that Barry Odom responded. I just think from an in-game standpoint, I think there are certain coaches who are better suited to be coordinators than head coaches. And I think Barry Odom is one of them. And when I saw that Sam Pittman hired him, I was like, that was a darn good hire. I mean, one of the better off-season hires of any program, not just at a place that obviously is trying to do a rebuild, but, you're talking about someone who the last two times he was a defensive coordinator, he had top 11 scoring defenses, which is pretty good. And he did that at Memphis and Mizzou. It's not like he did that at a place that stocked with four or five-star talent or something like that. And I think that he can be like what Mike McIntyre was to Ole Miss last year. Now, for those who weren't paying attention to Ole Miss last year, Ole Miss was a doormat when it came to rushing defense from 2016 to 2018. If you didn't have a career day against Ole Miss, you were doing something wrong as an SEC running back. And what he did last year was very simple. They started practicing pursuit drills. They started actually tackling in practice. And pretty soon, guys figured, oh, hey, when we're in position during games, we're in much better spots to make plays and make tackles in the open field. And sure enough, that's exactly what Ole Miss did. Like, a lot of people will look at the fact that Ole Miss won four games and say, ah, oh, they, they struggle. they had these, these issues, whatever. They went from the number 115-run defense to the number 44-run defense in the country. I think that Barry Odom can be to Arkansas what McIntyre was to Ole Miss. Now, I don't know if he's going to pull off that drastic of a turnaround, but it's got to start with the run defense because obviously that was a major issue with John Chavis in his defense the last couple years. I guess you can call it defense. But Hmm. I think Barry Odom has the ability to put guys in the right spot, and I think that's what he's going to do really, really well, and that's going to be noticeable from the jump. I don't know what the upside is but I do know that if I'm banking on a team to make significant strides in year one just with the personnel that they already have, I think that Odom is a good guy to do it.
2: What's been the key to Odom's success? He's had success everywhere he's been. Would it be a scheme, or is it something another factor?
1: You know, you could look at it from the scheme, because I know that he hasn't necessarily committed to exclusively running the 4 5 which, you know, maybe part of that is because he wants, keep a couple of things up his sleeve or because of the weird offseason that we've had. We just haven't necessarily gotten to see that a lot. We got to see a spring game where all they ran was a four-two-five or something. But I think that he's going to do some of the same stuff that McIntyre does where you're talking about practicing pursuit in a much different way. And the way that he puts his middle linebackers in spots to succeed is special. And I think Bumper Pool is a guy who can have a breakout type of season. Go back and look at what Nick Bolton did last year. I was just digging into kind of some of the stuff that he did more so. I, looking at, at, at his 2019 season, I was looking more at it today, and it's unbelievable what he did in place of Kale Garrett, who was on pace for an All-American season before he went down with a torn pec in the middle of last season. My goodness, Nick Bolton was a special, special player with Barry Owen. That's a guy who wasn't a top 1,000 recruit either. Neither of those two guys were top 1,000 recruits, and by season's end, we're like, whoa, those guys were incredible. Barry Odom has the ability to put guys in the right spot. He understands his personnel. If there's one thing that he should be able to do during an off season like this, it's walking into a situa- situation like Arkansas where, yeah, there's some turnover on that defense, but you return some good pieces in the secondary, and there should be uh, places to build. I think he's going to understand his personnel really well, and I think he's going to be able to figure out if that is the 425 or whatever he's going to run, I think he's going to know where exactly the guys fit best.
0: We'll continue our discussion with Connor O'Gara Saturday down south here in just a second. But, folks, listen during the pandemic, it's really tough to get out and about. You want to be safe, you want to wear your mask, but you also want to social distance. You don't want to be around a lot of people, but you still got to get stuff done on your vehicle. You still got to get the parts. You still got to be able to do it yourself at your home, whether it's for simple oil changes or honestly doing some heavy-duty work and luckily for you there's an answer where you don't have to worry about going into any of these big box stores to take care of it it's called rockauto.com it's amazing they have so much selection when it comes to the vehicles whether it's a make or a model or a year it doesn't matter because odds are they have it they have everything from engine control models to brake parts to tail lamps motor oil even new carpet whether it's for your classy or daily driver Get everything you need in just a few easy clicks, and it's delivered right to your door. That's the best part about it. You don't have to do anything. You don't have to get up and walk around. If you know what you're looking for, they got it. They have an awesome catalog where all the prices are extremely low, and it is the same for professionals as well as do-it-yourselfers. So why would you spend twice as much for the same parts by going to some other store? RockAuto.com is the way to be, folks. You can go there right now and see all the parts that are available for your or your truck. All you got to do is write locked on in there. How did you hear about us box? So they know that we here on the Locked On Razorbacks podcast sent you. RockAuto.com, they have it all. I've checked it out myself. In fact, just the other day, I got me a new cup holder for my truck, and it was great. It was very easy, it was very affordable, and it came right to my door in a very quick time. So it's perfect for everything that you would need for any of your vehicles. So check out RockAuto.com with amazing selection, reliably low prices, and all the car parts you'll ever need at rockauto.com.
2: You are locked on Razorbacks, your daily Arkansas Razorbacks podcast.
0: I don't know if you believe in, in the same theory that I have, and I think it may be very obvious that In college football, it's so much easier and set up to have more effective offense than defense just because of the way the game's played. So go all in on an offense and then kind of worry about defense afterwards. Now, that's not to say you can't have a great defense, but it's obviously about scoring points. So in college football, what is a realistic, especially at a place like Arkansas with Barry Odom, what's a realistic type of deal to Having a defense that's at least good enough to keep you in games? Do you have to look at the scoring? Do you have to look at the rankings? Is it about run? Like, how do you really grade how good of a defense is? Because even the best of defenses may not be uh, great statistically because they're on the field the whole time because their offense scores so quickly, similar to what LSU did last year.
1: Well, I mean, let's be honest. <laughs> the, only, the only way to go for Arkansas is up. So I, I do think that improvement is imminent and i do think that it starts with the run i know that this is a a pass heavy world that we're living in but i just think it is i mean this is going to sound really really basic here it's a lot easier to play football against a team who can't stop the run as opposed to a team that can't stop the pass it just seems like you can control your destiny a whole lot more and you set yourself up in a much better way and when teams could just run all over you that that's when you see these lopsided results and You know, Ole Miss figuring that out last year. You really saw with Mike McIntyre how they were able to actually stay in games. Like people don't realize, their average margin of defeat in SEC play was four and a half points. I mean, like that was a much improved team from a team that was losing by three scores regularly. You know, for uh, at least two, three years there. So. I think that for Arkansas, that's got to be the first thing. That's cliche, but I, if Arkansas can improve to the point where they're at least a mediocre run defense, that's getting up to maybe like number sixty in the country or something like that. Which I, that's that's just a start. That's year one. I think that sets them up for much better chance of success. I think it's so difficult right now to assume that they're all automatically going to make this this massive leap in three years and be you know competing for division titles. But if I'm looking for a positive year one return. That, that's got to be the place because if you have guys that are in position to make plays, you have guys that are buying into your system, tackling the open field, doing those things. That's going to make everything else a lot easier.
2: So the four-two-five is a defense that you don't see a lot. What's the biggest strengths and weaknesses of that defense?
1: Well, the strength of the linebacker position. I mean, it's it's having guys who can do a variety of things for you. And like I said, Nick Bolton. I, I mean, if you if there's a reason for Arkansas fans to to be excited about Barry Odom and his defense. Go look at what this kid did last year. I mean, just a special player as a sophomore, non-top 1,000 recruit. And he was under-recruited, don't get me wrong, but still, I mean, what he did from a coverage standpoint and defending the run, that's exactly what they preach. It's gap discipline. It's being able to have linebackers who are willing to do a variety of things. Can Bumper Pool be that guy for Arkansas is the big question moving forward. And I think that, you know their ability to to stop the run is really that's that's what Barry Odom is going to pride himself on year in year out. And even though they were a doormat last year for the latter half of the season, you know even during that 16 losing streak, they only allowed 23 points a game. I mean, it wasn't like they were getting stomped repeatedly by the SEC and they were you know, allowing 40, 50 points or anything like that. So I think it's really going to put a lot of emphasis on the middle linebackers to be able to, to cover a lot of ground, move laterally, and then you're going to trust your experienced secondary to come up with some big-time plays. And I think if, if Arkansas can establish that type of culture and they can build from within the middle, the middle spot of that defense and work around it, I think they're going to be set up well for success.
0: We'll continue our discussion with Connor O'Gara of Saturday Down South here in just a second. But first, this.
2: You are locked on Razorbacks, your daily Arkansas Razorbacks podcast.
0: So talking about Barry Odom and his time at Missouri, I've always felt like he was doing a fine job, but they decided to make a move and they end up hiring hiring Eli Drinkwitz, which uh, we'll see how that one pans out. But. Why did they fire Barry Odom? Was he was he that bad? Was there more of a, a power struggle there? Because it just seemed like, for an outsider's perspective, he was doing a good job given the circumstances up at a school that had its own problems.
1: Yeah, and you know he inherited a, a tough situation—the the fallout with Gary Pinkelera and and the strikes that were that were going on at Mizzou. It wasn't easy, but I kind of felt like it had run its course. And you know, Mizzou is thinking something like, what, $98 million into their stadium, and they made a big-time investment to, to try and look the part of an SEC school. And, you know, you, could make, you can make arguments for Odom and you can make them against them. but somebody who never had a winning record in SEC play, and the way that the team kind of fell apart down the stretch was just deflating. And, you know, when you lose five in a row like that, and it just feels like the team, at least from an offensive standpoint, has nowhere to turn probably not the best sign. I mean this is somebody like they you could argue that Mizzou had its best quarterback in program history with Drew Locke and I know you can make the case Chase Daniel Blaine Gabbard also very very phenomenal quarterbacks at Mizzou but you can make the, the case that they're their most prolific quarterback of all time and their best season was eight and five overall four and four in, in play never won a bowl game I mean yeah that that's not exactly reaching for the stars and, and I think they kind of got to a point where they're like you know what? If we want to truly get back to the level that we were at, which let's not forget, this is a Mizzou team that won consecutive division titles when they first got to the SEC in year two and year three, then you know what? You have to you have to shoot for for something higher. And Barry Odom to Mizzou was almost a little bit. I feel bad saying this, but he was almost a little bit like Matt Luke, Ole Miss, and you know somebody who made sense and was a great fit at the time, given his roots, given. You know, the fact that he's a former player there and all that stuff, but you know, eventually, if you're going to try and be the upper echelon of the division and not watch all these other teams in the division pass you up, you got to make a decision. And whether or not Eli Drinkwitz is going to be the guy to get him there, I, that remains to be seen. But you know, it was a move that they felt at that time it, it was it was the, the right one to make, and I certainly understood it.
2: So you mentioned that Odom thrives as a defensive coordinator. What's your overall feel? Do you think he could? find comfort long term and being a defensive coordinator or do you think that he wants to be a head coach again soon
1: you know it depends because he's 43 you know he's a pretty young guy still I mean like people forget that he got that job when he was in his 30s there's not a whole lot of SEC head coaches who get that opportunity when they're in their 30s so you know he very much could be one of those guys who Decide. You know what? I'm just going to crush it for two, or three years, maybe as a power five coordinator, and then pretty soon I'll have those opportunities coming back my way. That's usually how it can work for guys who are of that age. Now, I don't know if he wants to go the group of five route, and uh, you know, it's it's tough to tell because obviously he spent so much time at Mizzou, and then spending t- spending time at one of the better group of five programs in the country in Memphis, and that's where he really took off as a defensive coordinator. He's never really had that rise as like a group of five head coach, and that's a grind. And I think that you know we talked about that with with Brett by the last time I was on, and how not everybody's willing to necessarily take on that opportunity. So it just kind of depends what's out there, what's available. But you know, if worst case scenario, if that's if that's what's being presented in two years, I think as an Arkansas fan, you got to take it. That's kind of the way it works. If you're a good college football program and your coordinators are going on to bigger and better things, that's usually a sign that you're doing something right. Go ask a place like Ohio State or Alabama about that. That is par for the course these days and not necessarily, you know, you're not necessarily seeing these situations where Brent Venables of the world, those guys are are rare. Even to Dave Aranda, to say four years at LSU is still pretty rare to see that in this day and age. So I think if, if Barry Odom just, you know, comes out swinging and does a remarkable job for two, three years at Arkansas. That would be a, a very, very positive step during this rebuild.
0: You know, I don't know what coaches are going to work out and what coaches aren't going to work out because I thought Ed Orgeron was a, a bad decision by LSU, and obviously I was wrong in that. So it does happen. But looking at the new coaches in the SEC, You know, we've we've talked Sam Pittman, obviously, here in Arkansas, and I think Lane Kiffin and Mike Leach definitely got a lot of the attention because of the personalities and who they are. But the Eli Drinkwitz hire at Missouri, I'm not a Missouri fan, but I was not a fan of that hire. I didn't think that they really upgraded in that regard, and I know he's got a lot of connections here in the state. I'm just very suspect on him. What are your thoughts on Eli Drinkwitz in the Missouri job?
1: He is the biggest mystery uh, of the bunch, and you know, I'll give him credit because he is a little bit already. Nobody's going to make this comparison, and I think that maybe from from a value standpoint, I think he might be a little bit different. But I think there's a little bit of Lane Kiffin in him, and I say that because I think he does a good job of building his offense around his talent. He's been able to win with the more typical dual-threat type of quarterback. He's won with a quarterback like Ryan Finley at NC State where he sort of changed his offense to fit his skill set. He brought him over from Boise State. And I think that he's going to do a good job of figuring out, all right, what do we need to do here? Do we have an offensive line that's just loaded with talent? We should be running the ball 40 times a game. Do we have a quarterback that really needs to air it out, needs to get into a rhythm over the course of the game, and is a potential NFL guy, and we need to make sure that we get him reps? I think he's going to do a good job of executing that type of system. Now, he's considered a Gus Malvon disciple, but I think he's got a little bit more flexibility. We know that he's going to want to play with tempo. I think he's got some weapons there to start. It might be a rough go early on year one, year two, but you know, he's fascinating because we know nothing about him, I feel like, in the SEC. And, you know, we know that he's a great quote. We've seen that already and some of the stuff that he's been willing to, to come out and say. And I know he's ruffled some feathers in your neck of the woods. But, you know, I think that watching him develop there is going to be interesting because $4 million looked like uh, an overpay for him. It really did. It looked like a search that was botched, and it looked like they settled on him. Now, he had great success last year at Appalachian State, of course. And he's kind of been good everywhere he's gone. But we're talking about someone who... Yeah, six years ago, he was a group of five position coach, and his rise has been quick. Whether or not he can succeed at Mizzou is going to be dependent on him being able to really hit the ground running and knock some of these these, these recruiting chances out of the park because that's what Mizzou has, when Mizzou has been good. That's really what they do best. And when they were good under Gary Pinkle, that's the type of stuff. They would hit on these three-star guys who would turn into legit NFL studs. And I think he's going to have to do some of that. But if he if he can take off in year one with that offense and have something like a top 40 offense, that's going to make it a lot easier for him to recruit and get some of those inroads. But, yeah, that's my long-winded way of saying <laughs> I think there's a little bit of lane keeping in him. And I don't think you'll hear that comparison anywhere other than my
0: mouth. Well, appreciate everybody listening in to the Locked on Razorbacks podcast. Be sure to like and subscribe to the podcast on iTunes or on Google Play. You can also get after me on Twitter at BuzzJohnNeighbors for any questions, comments, concerns that you may have. We'll keep it going from there. Same podcast time, same podcast channel. Tomorrow afternoon, have a great day, everybody. We will see you then.
2: You are Locked on Razorbacks, your daily Arkansas Razorbacks podcast.